episode 63 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. This is your host, Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice.com. And this week, my usual co-host, Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net, is on vacation. And so that means this is a podcast I'm going to try individually. So with that in mind, join me this week as I attempt bike tricks on high-rises solo as Apple tries to crack down on secrecy vandals. And... That means we'll start in our usual spot of Apple news, and this week it's all about Apple leaks. Because interestingly, Apple released a company-wide memo entitled The Impact of Leaks, and the memo itself was leaked. And so we get to read the full thing. Apple goes on to detail how single leaks can impact the entire company. There are over 100,000 employees are impacted by a single employee deciding to leak software or whatever the case may be. And then that also applies to their entire supply chain, and they're just really trying to crack down. Tim Cook said at least five years ago that they're going to double down on secrecy, and it seems the only thing that Apple really has a stranglehold on is software, but even bits and pieces of that have been leaked out. And so it's ironic that this memo itself about leaking was leaked itself, but it may help Apple kind of find out the source. And... It turns out that Apple's getting really good at tracking people down. In 2017 alone, Apple caught 29 leakers, and 12 of those were actually arrested. So whatever they have been put in place to kind of get this taken care of, it's now kind of a criminal process. It goes back as far as 2010 when there was one potential leaker named Paul Devine who did it solely for money. And he was going to get approximately two and a half million in kickbacks, but he was caught and then he was sentenced to a year in prison and a $4.5 million fine. So this is a very specific example when the crime wasn't worth the potential gain since he ended up losing quite a bit. But since as far back as 2010, so it didn't dissuade or discourage any potential leakers in the future and there's various reasons i don't think many are in for that monetary gain like that but just some could be wanting to look on to a new job or for whatever reason are tired of apple or got the job under different pretenses maybe from another company whatever the case may be all these potential reasons of 125,000 employees apple needs to fully kind of investigate and figure out to cut down those leaks as much as possible because if the iPhone XS is fully detailed, it's going to hurt sales of the iPhone X. Even though Apple's become relatively regular, so we know the new iPhone's coming in September, it's still, it changes buying patterns, and when your entire business model is based on making tens of billions of dollars each quarter for existing products before that new product comes around, you need to you know cut down these links as or these leaks as much as possible. But then on the flip side, all these companies that reported about this leak they're kind of dependent upon the leaks because they know that those apple leaks are some of the juiciest and traffic driving articles around so it's a fun juxtaposition especially if you leaked the memo about leaking itself because if that is eventually tracked down that's one less source you could potentially have so it's all a really interesting balancing act and hopefully apple does get this completely shut down because it makes the events that much more exciting whether you're going into wwdc in june or the iphone event in september or spring event no matter what the case it's fun to not fully know what apple's going to go over and instead you have a checklist okay apple's going to cover this this and this to actually have some kind of surprise and excitement 
it helps you know just generate that much more buzz for Apple going forward and makes kind of following it more interesting so that way you have these more kind of fake rumors or fabricated rumors that you can kind of rip apart because you know that the leaks are being cracked down I don't know how well Apple's going to be able to you know affect the supply chain and other countries to track this down but at least for company stateside Apple should be able to just not be messing around anymore with leaks and with every new example that they have hopefully anyone potentially thinking about it realizes that they're probably not going to get away with it so that's the main Apple news of the week and so that means it's time for some new apps and the first one we're going to discuss this week is Unsplash which it's not you know a groundbreaking app or record setting or anything like that and instead just offers a very specific utility that lets you get full-sized watermark free images so you can do any kind of search you want it helps when I'm making lists or doing various articles where you need kind of one good lead image but there's all these like watermarked based images that aren't usable so this is just a collection of royalty free photos that you can use for whatever purposes you like and there's quite a database included and it's all just from a single search string so if I made a new list like take aim at these great precision puzzle games I want some kind of aiming image that of is evocative of that idea so you get you know someone shooting a bow and arrow at a target and you just have to search aim and then you have the gun aim or various types of aiming ideas and just all kinds of great photos full resolution I think all told there's gonna be over 450,000 different photos in this entire collection so if you ever need a photo for whatever purpose you might need it unsplash is a great utility it's free it's universal and it just works exactly as it's described it's a relatively niche kind of utility but it nails that utility as well as you could expect or imagine so again unsplash free universal and that means it's time for some new games and this week definitely did not disappoint so there were some big name titles and the first one is touch grind bmx2 Hopefully you played the original because it is an outstanding action sports game made specifically for iOS. It comes from Illusion Labs and it's built on the Touch Grind series which gave you kind of a tech deck idea where you have a little skateboard under two fingers right on the screen. You have a top down view like that you're riding that skateboard on your desk just right on your iPad or your phone. And so with BMX version you have a BMX bike in the same kind of setup but there's more advanced courses so you have all these various ramps and stuff and so the sequel builds upon the original by offering more of the same with brand new courses and so if you've ever played the original you're not going to have this groundbreaking reinventing the wheel game it's essentially more of the same with smoother controls better 3d graphics and the game is redesigned to fit all the present devices and take advantage of the new hardware and so with that in mind expecting a brand new game and instead just appreciate what you do have which is the ability to put two fingers on screen and swipe in all kinds of different directions to pull off crazy bike tricks so you always have those two fingers you lift up the front finger and then you spin you can do a bar spin 
you lift off the back finger and then do a spin, you can do a tail spin. And then if you use those two fingers together, say you swipe forward or backwards, that's how you initiate a front flip or back flip. Say you swipe those two fingers in opposite directions, now you're rotating the bike 360 degrees on the horizontal axis rather than the vertical axis. And really the highlight of the game is that you can combine these tricks together. So say you do a front flip, you grab your bike, then do a back flip, and then do a bar spin or whatever the case may be. Say you rotate 180 degrees, so now your bike's upside down, and then you do a tailspin, and now it's a reverse tailspin, and then you need to then flip the bike so you always get it in the proper position to land. So it all comes down to how many tricks can I get in before my bike reaches the ground and make sure that I'm in the proper trajectory to then ride on to the next ramp. And then each of these courses are designed so the ramps come pretty consistently at a good pace so you're always ready for a new setup a new trick and then there's a multiplier so each time you land a trick successfully you increase your multiplier so that way once you get later into the round without messing up you can have a times eight multiplier and you pull off a front flip back flip side spin and it goes racks up your score so you're over a million points and then each of the regions has its own kind of theme unique design where it might be a medieval castle or a desert motif and then they each have their own set of challenges. So it might be pull off four bar spins in the course of 30 seconds in four unique jumps. So rather than just like a quad bar spin, you need to land it, pull it off, and etc. And there will be 15 or so challenges per uh, environment, and then you can unlock more by completing that set of 15. And then the game is going to let you level up, and you get three courses for free this is a completely free to download completely free to enjoy for those three courses and then there's additional courses at $1.99 each so you can unlock the entire game for $7.99 or just buy single courses for $1.99 but you can just focus on those three courses that are included and then there's also kind of the biggest new feature update is a dual mode so it's a turn-based version of your cumulative score after three runs and so you get to play with anyone online you do a run try to get the best score then they do a run try to do a best score and then you cycle back and forth you might change to different courses it depends on the initial setup but it just lets you show off and try to prove yourself against others of how good you are at touch grind bmx so that way you really want to nail that multiplier and pull off the best tricks you can because of course the other person is doing the same thing and if you do mess up a run since it's cumulative you could always get it back down the line say the first run you, there's two jumps left and you fail on the second to last jump so your multiplier gets reset and that very last jump you don't get that times a huge bonus well the other person might do the same thing or have another bad run and run two or run three so don't ever give up and then the online multiplier really is kind of the distinguisher it would be nice if there was more of a level-based upgrade system to unlock more rounds but this is kind of the way illusion labs has gone with Mr. Crab 2 and Bacon Escape where they give you part of the game and then you unlock the rest through one in-app purchase. Kind of lets you get your feet wet, see if you like it, and then unlock the whole thing. And there's never a complaint from me on that style. That's kind of the best way in my mind of how to do in-app purchases. And there's no doubt that the game will definitely intrigue you to want to keep going. 
but with what they included for free when it's a high score based challenge game the three different environments actually might be enough to kind of wet your whistle or feed your appetite so that's a delicate little balance but for what's included for free you definitely can't argue with the great experience and even at eight bucks the more you enjoy this game i'm definitely sure you can get eight dollars in value on it but even just playing for free with the online multiplayer and the three courses it's a ton of fun great design and once you get into that flow of just flipping your fingers every different way to pull off these different tricks it's really there's nothing else like it on the app store so that's touch grind bmx2 it's free it's universal and then there's vandals which is an interesting idea because it is at first glance it's like those turn-based puzzle games from square enix in the go series laura croft go tomb raider or hitman go and deus ex go so it has that idea where you swipe to move your character and then enemies respond and move in different ways but this game it's more of a stealth based adventure game so it combines that familiar mechanic with a stealth based idea and in this case you're just playing as like a little teenage tagger who needs to get into position graffiti a wall and then get out without the cops catching him and so you need to move through the sequences to get to that wall without being spotted and then spray paint it and get out because as soon as you do spray paint a wall that alerts the guards to your position so they're going to come running and then ever you're in their line of view two spots up ahead then they'll also come chase you down but you also have the ability to kind of trick them with either a whistle that you can send at a certain point leave that point so they run to the whistle point and then you're going the other way you can also toss a bottle to a point in a certain radius and so they'll run to that point and that will just buy you time or open a path there's some levels that start out where if you just don't use any tools at all you'll just run in right to a guard so you have that constant balance and then just as a fun little thing the game lets you paint your own graffiti it doesn't really matter what you paint you're not scored based on color use or line quality or anything like that it's not a pass up or toe where it's going to grade your artistic ability but it lets you be creative and do whatever you want you could draw a single black line or you can just do any kind of creative expressionalism you would like it's all completely up to you but it's a nice little addition to kind of break up the puzzle idea and give you more personality more care over what you're doing and kind of a reason behind the sleuth stealing sneaking action and so as you get into it the levels do blend together a bit especially if you played Lara Croft Go Hitman Grow Deus Ex Go if you are really familiar with those games this game it's not worse but it's not better and I think the more you've played the style the more kind of repetitive the game feels from the outset also vandals is lit a little bit slower pacing it seems like especially Lara Croft go was probably the peak and that game had more of an action puzzle idea where you could really swipe quicker if you wanted to this game has a really deliberate and methodical pacing to the way your character moves and I understand it's a stealth game but then you have a game like Never Stop Sneaking from last week, which is a really action-packed stealth game that allows more free-flowing movement. There are different control setups, different design ideas, but stealth games don't have to be slow and methodical. So once you have that really familiar style that can get a little boring, you might want to speed up the pace. So Vandals, it's, it's a tough little balancing act to 
be familiar yet fresh, different genre, different style combined with a familiar idea, and then try to piece it all together in a new, brand new, appealing fashion. And Vandals does it somewhat, but it doesn't perfect the style. There's just that overarching, I've done this before, especially once you've played kind of the first set of levels, you're 15 levels in and you get to the next set of 15, there's no real leap or jump in the game. It's kind of more the same. So you get into that routine of the game and you never want a routine in any game. So for me, I would have to say Vandals, it came a little bit too late or it didn't do enough to distinguish itself within the current market. So that's Vandals. It's $3.99. It's universal. And then there's Project High Rise, which if you've ever played Sim Tower, it's going to be instantly recognizable. And if you ever played Tiny Tower on iOS, again, it's going to be instantly recognizable. So Sim Tower, it comes from, you know, the classic Sim City, Sim Town, all those various versions. And that lets you build a skyscraper and manage all the intricacies of it. So you get to put in new residents and new businesses. The businesses feed upon one another where the residents work at the businesses. The business generate rent. That rent can then be used to upgrade the high rise, add new floors, introduce new businesses. And it kind of creates its own microeconomy to sustain itself. And so Project High Rise does all of that. The appealing aspect of Tiny Tower it actually came out way back in 2011 but what kind of set it apart was it took that Sim Tower idea and it made it for iOS because on iOS it's going to be often quick play sessions that are made for touch and not a bunch of menu UI big tappable areas where you can play with one thumb essentially glance at it tap on a few things and then close the app well Sim Tower has a whole array and menu system of all kinds of buttons and options and choices and that's the direction project high rise one went it came from steam it was originally designed for the computer so you can see the computer design decisions through everything and now it's been ported over to ios that doesn't make it a bad game but there's a lot of kind of tedious button tapping and menu exploration just to see all that you can do in the game because this is the type of game where you get to build an office building or an apartment but it can only go in specific spots you have to drag out specific areas for it to go and then you have to go access a different menu to then put in the electrical lines or the water pipes and it has all the really intricate simulation management ideas and that works really well on the iPad when you have an hour to spare or you know, you're going to get full in. You like those really in-depth simulation games. But if you want something quick on the go, jump in, jump out, that's not what Project High Rise is. So it just comes down to a matter of perspective and expectation going into the game of what you want from a simulation game. If you like those really detailed simulation experiences where you get to manage every single aspect of your sim and in this case the skyscraper project high rise nails it it's essentially the spiritual successor to sim tower and there's nothing wrong with that it's just it might not be the perfect fit for ios and also they give you a whole bunch to do so that's kind of the main distinguisher also from tiny tower tiny tower simplifies everything so you can really only build the one tower and focus on it with Project High Rise, 
you get to have a bunch of different choices. You can just dive into the sandbox mode and start building your tower however you want with different kinds of shapes and sizes and constrictions and all that. There's also objectives or specific scenarios. It's kind of like Roller Coaster Tycoon where you're thrown in, you have to deal with the scenario you're given and work with creating the best skyscraper you can under those conditions. So there's a bunch of different ways to play and that will keep you coming back and give you incentive to really fully dive into this game. So Project High Rise, it's $3.99, it's universal. And for $4, you get an expansive simulation experience that lets you go over every single aspect that you could possibly want in various different ways to play. But it also might be intimidating if you prefer a more iOS-centric or essentially simplified simulation game that has the core aspects, the core fun of it, but doesn't bog you down in an array of eight menu buttons on the bottom left, and each one of those has multiple selections underneath it, and you kind of can get lost in the menus. So it's just a balancing act of what you want. But that's Project High Rise. It's $3.99. It's universal. And then to round out the week is Kobe Golf Shots, which is just a quick-action arcade-style golf game. It's reminiscent of Flick Golf and other versions from Full Fat Games where you pull back, you launch the ball, and then when the ball is in the air, you can swipe the screen to change the trajectory. So say wind is 14 miles per hour and you just launch the ball straight at the hole, your ball is going to start curving off to the direction of the wind. So then you want to swipe back against it. Or maybe you see that your ball is going to be super short. So you swipe really quick up. So that way you're going to have topspin so it rolls towards the hole. Or say you're going to go way past the hole, then you can swipe down and that's going to present backspin so you can then go back towards the hole. And that's pretty much the entirety of the game. There's three different ways to play. There's an arcade mode which gives you 45 seconds to try to just get the best score you can. Because you hit the ball to the hole, you try to get that hole in one, there's a bullseye target wherever you land that's how many points you get then it's on to the next hole there's no putting or anything like that it's essentially an iron hit onto the green and try to get a hole in one if you do you can earn more time so that's definitely the incentive for that and then so that's 45 seconds in the arcade mode and then there's a three hole mode where there's three holes on the green and you get to aim for them. Once you land it in one or in the little 500 point target around it, then that hole is marked off. So you want to try to hit all three holes so it challenges you to aim for different parts of the green. And then there's just a three ball challenge. So rather than having a set timer, you can hit as many shots as you want, or three holes where you can hit as many shots as you want, also that's time-based, this just gives you three shots. So you need to make every single shot count. It's not a speed thing, it's more a puzzle precision thing, but you still have that same idea of getting as close to the hole as possible and using the flick controls. It's not a revolutionary game. It's not even the freshest idea, but it's really well done. The flick controls work really well to swipe that ball and get it to the hole. There's different courses to unlock, and it's just coin-based. You can coins for every single time you play and score. You can double it with video ads. And it's really easy to just jump in, play a 45-second quick action version of golf, and then jump out. It's not going to be maybe having the longest staying power on your device. After you play a few rounds and you unlock a couple of courses, you've seen the entirety of the game. And the other new courses mainly change the look. The first course you unlock is more icy, so the ball skids further 
you know, that's how you think it would be. But in actual practice, it doesn't seem that the physics of the course and the ball reacts as you would expect. So you real realize that it's more of a cosmetic change. There might be subtle physics changes, but it's not as much as you would manage, imagine if the green was covered in ice. So that means you're just kind of quick action version of golf. If you like any of those type of fast golf versions where it might be super stickman golf or flick golf or any, even a mini golf, any kind of version that's not more of a really hardcore simulation where it's just fun, throw the ball down towards the hole and then start swiping like mad to get it as close as possible. That's what Kobe Golf Shots is for. It's free, it's universal, and I think that is everything for episode 63. We hope you enjoyed listening, and we'll talk to you next time.